Welcome to Five Strike Weekly. Atlanta United has dropped back-to-back -back games in what were both bad results. With the need to rebound and get back into first place, what can the Five Strikes do to get a result this Wednesday? We discuss all that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. We waited all international break for this. It's a 3-1 loss against the Columbus crew who were languishing in 11th. And they're still in 11th after this win. And uh, yeah, I think it's thoroughly embarrassing. But before we get into the review, we want to thank our sponsor. This segment is sponsored by Mojitos Bistro. Mojitos at the Forum, where you can find a slice of Miami and Havana right here in Atlanta. They offer Cuban cuisine made with recipes from their mom's cookbook. And check out their watch party on September 18th for the match against FC Cincinnati. They'll be giving away a beer for each Atlanta goal scored. Joseph helps a lot with that. For more on the awesomeness at Mojitos, check our description box below. And really do check out their watch party on Wednesday night. We're playing FC Cincy and it's going to be lit there. Really, it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, getting into this match, I mean, Columbus Crew, they... Uh, How did we do this? They knew exactly what they were doing. How did we have this happen? <laughs> Columbus Crew came in with a plan and they pressed high. They were, you know, gonna play direct. They did. They were ruthless and efficient. And uh, yeah, I mean, we pretty much, after we scored the first goal, we just looked flat, completely flat. Not only were they good, we were hopeless. Yeah. Like, it was like everything that could have helped make their game plan work, Atlanta had played right into their hands and allowed it. Oh, bad positioning and bad giveaways in the middle of the pitch to leave your center backs exposed? Sending one of your center backs up to where you have two at the back most of the time and loads of space to run into? Let's keep doing that. Also, no attacking identity whatsoever outside of Justin Miram pumping in crosses to Joseph, hoping he would get to them when he was marked by seven people like at the beginning of the season. Let's do that too. This game was terrible. And when you go back and look at it, it's it's just so much more frustrating to see because it's so out of character with the way Atlanta has been playing. Mm -hmm. But I guess for a lot of us, it's a wake-up call and hopefully it serves out as the team because this is what happens when you run the system and the team is not on point. When you mm -hmm. lose your individual battles and you don't have the ball moving the right way and if the team has an off day, this is what can happen. Mm -hmm. And you gotta get that right because you're gonna go to the playoffs soon. But this match, just... What the hell? Yeah, I mean, okay, we had some notable absences as well. LGP is part of the back line. Barco in the midfield and part of the forward line as well. I mean, there was that little bit of, like, you know, the forwards didn't really have anybody really to connect to and close enough to each other to really move up the pitch. We had a lot of errant passes where they were searching. They were really trying to uh, find that final ball and it just wasn't there. Joseph was starved for any sort of service. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's where we kind of revert to kind of, I think, where I think it's like mid-season 2017, where we're just pumping crosses and Hoping we're progressive ideas. And that's where it's, uh, I think it lies in this, but there's also where uh, Julian Gressel mentioned uh, post-match that, you know, in terms of training, they looked pretty awful. They said that, even Frank DeBoer mentioned it, that they just looked flat. They looked like, you know, this might happen this weekend, and they capitulated like they uh, thought they would, uh, you know, this um, in, in this match. And so, yes, there is that little bit of rust, but you got to think, like, what, what was happening uh, this past week that, uh, or the past two weeks that didn't get them ready for, you know, this type of match? I mean, it's, it's kind of baffling. 
Uh, was there too much of uh, you know too much golfing? Too much of a break? Well, I think you mentioned one of the major <laughs> the major points in that was the fact that this team was missing LGP and Ezekiel Barco. And for as much as both of them can be maligned for whatever the issues are with them, LGP provides you with the leadership and a vocal leader in the back. Miles Robinson's getting there and he's been much improved this season, but at the same time you see the effect that LGP has because he is going to be fiery. He is going to be yelling and make sure everyone is switched on. And as far as Ezekiel Barco is concerned, this team has played its best football all season when Ezekiel Barco, Pete Martinez, and Joseph Martinez are on the field at the same time. Ezekiel Barco has the ability to get the ball on the turn, run into space, draw defenders, mm -hmm. which then creates more space for Pete Martinez and for Joseph because when he's running through the middle, Defensive players go to him and they step to him and when they do that 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 is what creates those spaces that makes the other players around him better So with those two guys the team lost a lot in both defense and attack, mm -hmm. but at the same time Atlanta should be better than that. This team should be better missing those two players and be able to beat an 11th place Columbus crew team, right. which goes back to your question. On what paper, was happening? Yeah, yeah. What, what was happening in those training sessions? What was the mentality? How did the mentality switch off? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a major question for the players, especially because they're the ones that have held themselves accountable. They're the ones that have been asking for the system change. They've gotten that. Frank mm -hmm. DeBoer has been doing what he needs to do in order to get the best out of these players. So as far as I'm concerned, I think a lot of this has to go to the mentality of what was happening in the locker room with those players to step on the pitch with maybe a unnecessary confidence to think that they could just walk out and be better than Columbus. Yeah. Because as far as I'm concerned, DeBoer didn't do much wrong as far as his team selection or his tactics or his subs. Yeah, he had to do what he had to do in terms of the selection for the 11 in this match. I, you know, Because basically you have LGP out with yellow card accumulation. Yeah, you bring in Flo Pogba, who's been generally pretty decent. Uh, but I think Columbus definitely targeted him. They knew his shortcomings. His, pace. Yeah, pace is not one of his uh, major things. And I think he switches off on occasion when he's uh, just making a, an easy pass. And, you know, there were a lot of errant passes from him in this match. Uh, Take the second goal, for instance. The second goal, and I talked about it in the fan cam, was he took one step forward when Atlanta had lost the ball to think maybe I should go up and press to help get this ball in. The problem is he took one step and that one step forward was more than enough time for the Columbus man to run in behind and have him dead to rights and out of the play entirely. And it's one step and that's how fine the margins are sometimes to where, yeah, you know, he takes one step, Guzan saves it into the middle and Zardes scores on the first goal. Miles Robinson accidentally scores an own goal and a freak thing like that. And it's like those little moments can go against you sometimes. But what's so important is to make sure that that game was a complete aberration. Mm -hmm. Maybe the team needed something like that to refocus them, but at the same mm -hmm. time, you think that this team should be better than that. With their mentality of winning things, they should be able to hold themselves to a standard where that sort of match does not happen. Mm -hmm. Because it was not a result that Atlanta could afford to drop. Yeah, and it's really, I think, the worst we've looked in 3-5-2 as well. Uh, I think against Philadelphia Union, it's the same scoreline, but uh, I think for most of the match, we looked, you know, kind of, uh, I think definitely a lot better in terms of the chances that we were uh, creating. And uh, it was just, I think, a level of, you know, fatigue. a level of fatigue where you're playing seven or eight games in a month, essentially. And they just hit a wall and you could see they couldn't give anything else. And right. you were missing a Barco, so you didn't have the best players on there and you hit that fatigue wall. And I think most of us felt pretty good coming out of that Philadelphia result was like, look, it happened, they were tired, they need a two week rest, they'll come out and they'll put a big number up on, on Columbus. But then this is what we have and it's like, that, that doesn't make sense to me because I felt so confident coming into this match and that I felt confident that, yes, it was gonna be tough, but Atlanta United, in my opinion, out of the six games they had remaining, including Columbus, should win five of them. 
yeah. all of them bar NYCFC, which is the big game in the in the coin in the coin yeah. flip. But and now you're having to play catch up. Maybe they're looking ahead a little bit. Maybe they've overlooked this fixture, and it maybe uh, was the case. But uh, I think credit goes to Columbus for executing the game plan. Mm -hmm. They have definitely uh, they were very efficient and scored some really good goals actually that as well. That second goal was fantastic. Yeah, the two anyway. But um, yeah, so the third, let's not talk. Yeah, about that's it. just uh, you know I. I think it's one of those, like, I don't think Miles Robinson would even get as much hate as uh, Breck Shea does for, yeah. you know, uh, you know all that he gets. Had Breck Shea had done that, he would have been crucified for Absolutely. it. But it's like that, honestly, that moment just summed up the entire game in one split second. It was just like, that's literally how the entire game felt, how yeah. the entire game went. It was just off. It happened. Mm -hmm. But this team, like we said in the intro, has to move forward and regroup quickly because you have another match that is a must win, that is a should win mm -hmm. on Wednesday. So you have to get past this. You have to get back to your best. And you hope Ezekiel Barco gets fit quickly because clearly you need him. Right. And uh, so in terms of uh, a positive that can come out of this yes. match is that Joseph Martinez did net his 14th uh, straight game or net a goal in his 14th straight game and that's uh perpetuating the record that he has uh which is fantastic some people felt it should have been an own goal but as far as i'm concerned He's... after ronaldo got credit for that goal <laughs> sure. in the week where he kicks it and it hits the keeper in the back of the head and it goes in you're not going to take that off ronaldo and you don't take this off joseph yeah That's exactly good. and it was still on target so it's one of those things where i mean you know if it uh even if it bounces around uh it would still be i think you give the goal target. to the king you let him have it but uh, yeah, and you know, Miles Robinson, own goal aside, still had a very good match. Uh, the block against Yossi's artist in exactly. the first half. If he doesn't make that block, we're one nil down early, and yeah. that's a whole different story. Yeah, and well, you know, even on that first goal, it was pretty much where you know he did block it, or he had chased down, um, you know, the player to where it was a save. It was just not a. Uh, Guzan save where he parried it further enough away, and that's where the issue is. Is sorry, this was the right place, right time. Yeah, and so you know, I think really Robinson can't really be faulted too hard for this match. Yes, own goals do suck, obviously. Franco Escobar also, I think, uh, he was everywhere. Uh, he was pretty tidy. He was intercepting a lot of balls, and he was he maybe could have been a bit more positionally disciplined at times. He yeah. left Robinson a bit exposed on a few separate occasions, but that's usually what works for you if exactly. your team's that's... playing well. Right, that's usually Escobar anyway. Yeah, if the team's playing well and has that that zest of the passing and the combinations yeah. are working, then it works. Mm -hmm. But when he's out of position, which is something I harped on a lot last season, mm -hmm. and you're not playing well, yeah. when that position then gets exposed and you get cooked, that's when it doesn't work out. But I mean, again, yeah. it was just a whole team. Thing. He's yeah, he's usually uh, you know in terms of uh, when he's playing the center back. Uh, position he's definitely a little bit more uh reserved he's not as swashbuckling but yes he he does on occasion uh does make a forward run and yeah i mean i think uh it's what you get with uh you know franco escobar and an lgp for sure this but is it's what something you get with really high level possession systems i mean when, yeah. when when pep guardiola plays with a three at the back with manchester city you'll get that if he plays a kyle walker at a right center back yeah. you expect them to be running into those spaces and it creates those overloads and those mismatches that weaker teams struggle to deal right. with, which is, again, that's what you get with his game and with mm -hmm. LGP's game. But when it's working, you're incredible. When yeah. it doesn't work, you have a game like, well, City lost to Norwich this past weekend. Yeah. So it can happen. Yeah, this absolutely uh, is not unprecedented on any level. It's just that, uh, yeah, and also it's uh, like Columbus Crew, uh, you know, for them, uh, they were pretty much like set out practicing, you know, knowing what we were going to do. Uh, the entire time. Maybe it is such where uh, LA United, they got complacent, they 
you know, because of how much rotation does happen with uh, the crew as well, maybe they didn't know what to expect coming in as well. Not that that's an excuse, but uh, that is maybe some part, you know, coming into it where he didn't come ready enough for all the scenarios uh, that are possible, maybe. So, uh, either way, and we need to be positive, though, is that you can look at this and use the film and say, this is what happens if we play wrong and don't yeah. get in the right positions when we lose the ball and if we're too aggressive when we're in possession. And you can use it because at the end of the day, you'd rather have it happen now against Columbus than in the playoffs. Sure. So if you want to use it as a learning tool and be like, this is why we have to stay disciplined in yeah. certain areas, otherwise this happens. And I think as a, a last point for me on this is mm -hmm. something that I heard Jason Long from mentioned on the, on the post-game report was that if Ezekiel Barco is not playing, Jeff Lorinowitz needs to be playing because he provides you a balance in midfield. And I think Rometty and Nagby and Heinemann do a lot of the same things. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to have that Jeff Lorinowitz sitting there in front of the defenders because he's going to, he, he would have been in those positions where mm -hmm. Columbus was running into. He would have clogged those spaces that mm -hmm. Columbus had. And even though it's a less aggressive move and you might not be as good going forward, he gives you a balance of the team that you're allowed right. to have and you need to have. And I think that's something that's yeah. important going forward. Yeah, well. that's a great point. I think, uh, yeah, he provides the uh, the tactical noose to uh, know what you know what to do, when to sit, when to go forward. And uh, Nagby, you know, Remedi, Heinemann, they all kind of, yes, like you are saying, they, you know, are kind of more box-to-box -box in, that, in that sense. And, you know, you have to have that guy that does sit on occasion uh, and more so so that you don't have that easy ball over the top that can just you know undo you. Or a guy running through loads of space in the middle of the park. Yeah. And that's what Jeff Lerman says best is he sees a situation that anticipates them and then fouls someone or just gets the ball. So it's yeah. like that's what you need to have and I think that's something they need to look, look into doing and mm -hmm. having him start. And it's not like a slight on you know the other players, but again, you have to have balance in the team. And I think that maybe was something that Atlanta got caught with. So yeah. we'll see. Could be, could be. But uh, anyway, so that wraps up uh, a bow on this match. And it takes us into the news. And LA United, we have clinched a spot in the playoffs. So that is the uh, you know one of the few caveats to come from this match. But uh, Orlando City lost because yeah. of course they did. Orlando City and Montreal Impact also lost in, uh, against FC Cincy of all people. So uh, they kind of did us a little bit of a favor there, uh, and then hopefully we can come into the uh, week and smack them up a little bit. But uh, also into the standings, then where are we at? Well, it's not looking great for Atlanta fans as far as finishing first in the East goes. Atlanta is currently nine points back of NYCFC. They set on 57 points with 30 matches played. It's weird now because NYCFC had games in hand all season and now Atlanta United now has a game in hand on them. So remember, game in hand, if you win that and you play NYCFC, you can bring that gap down to three, but again, that's relying on them dropping points now. Now Atlanta is also a few points back, full four points back of Philadelphia. Again, game in hand, but the problem is, is who's coming up behind because Toronto's been playing really good. They're only a few points behind you, although Atlanta have two games in hand on Toronto. All Atlanta would have to do to clinch a top three spot is get two victories from their last five. Looking at some of the fixtures, that should absolutely be doable, especially with two more matches at home. But again, if the five stripes don't get things together, they might be looking at a road playoff game all the way through, and we know that would not be a good scenario. The other issue is that right now, they would be looking at facing off against the New York Red Bulls, most likely, and that's not something that we want to see in any scenario. It's never fun. Uh, <sighs> you know, they always play us tough. And well, they were hopeless this weekend. Oh, yeah. But it's one of those, uh, they're up for playing us, and they probably want to exact some revenge for last year as well. So that's not a scenario that we really want to see. 
But uh, in terms of uh, you know NYCFC, they can finish with a maximum of 66 points actually, uh, and we can only finish with a maximum of 63. Uh, so yeah, we have to hope that they can drop some points, and they do kind of have a, a tougher run in. Uh, so there is that uh, at the very least. But um, yeah, and in terms of if we can actually uh, kind of as our backdrop uh, kind of completely disappears, um, yeah. NYCFC and Philadelphia, they will play each other on a decision day. And so if, that could work in our favor. Yeah. If we can find some way where, you know, if they if they draw and we are uh, in first, that's where we want to uh, to, you know, somehow magically be. But it really matters uh, where we have to take care of business and the best case scenario is, yeah, we have to win all our games. Yeah, the rest have to of the win games. five. Have to win five in a row, and it's not an easy situation. But this is what happens when you drop points to bad teams. Looking at that draw at Cincinnati earlier in the season, looking at two losses to Columbus, and looking at a loss to Chicago. I mean, right there, you're looking at 11 points to some of the worst teams in the league at the times of which you played them. If you take those 11 points and put them onto Atlanta United's total right now, you're fighting for a supporter shield. So, it's a very current Man United, current Arsenal thing to do, I think we could say. We were talking beforehand, how you struggle against the teams. It's just like, why why are you not beating these teams? But Yeah, previous years were flat track bullies, and this year we shit the bed against uh, lower uh, division teams. And so, uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I think 2018 we kind of found a little bit of a balance uh, Somewhat, so you know, maybe we can find the balance in the uh, the rest of the the matches going forward. But that does it for the news, and let's get into buy or sell. And simply, we put up a topic and we say if we buy or sell it. First topic is uh, Atlanta United will nick first in the East. Buy or sell? Sell. I felt really confident about that. If you would have asked me before the Columbus game, following the Columbus game, looking at that nine point gap. You have to hope NYCFC drops multiple points, multiple matches, and Atlanta has to win out. And right now, I don't know if I see them winning out because you have a difficult game at home against San Jose. They've been playing really, really well. Away to Montreal, you should beat them. Away to Cincinnati, you should beat them. But at the same time, you have that game in Yankee Stadium on the school field, and you have to win that game. And they've been playing really well at home, and that's something that's kind of scary to see because you know you have to win that game. So right now, even though I'd like to see them do it, I don't think they will. I think second's very possible, and I think I'd rather have second for sure. But first place, I'm gonna sell it, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I also agree. Yeah, I sell that we're gonna nick first place because yeah, destiny is not really in our hands per se. We do have to get a lot of help. We can win all of our games, but we still have to rely on a lot of, uh, we have to rely on two teams dropping points. Uh, and we also have to, you know, maybe hope that Toronto doesn't go on a surge as well and uh, eclipse us if uh, that was ever a case. And so, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where uh, I want to hope for the best and hopefully we can. But obviously, it's one of those things where just so many factors, so many factors. But uh, next, buy or sell, Brad Guzan can break the 19-year-old season single season record of 16 shutouts. It's pretty close. He's on what, 14, 13? He's on 13. 13, so gotta get three out of five matches to tie fourth. Oh man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have, we don't jinx ourselves here. I, I have to sell only because I don't think he keeps a clean sheet against NYCFC. I don't think he keeps a clean sheet against 
Well, you'd have to get a clean sheet against all of them to break. No, you'd have to get four. Yeah, NYCFC doesn't keep a clean sheet. I don't think he keeps a clean sheet against San Jose. Yeah. I think San Jose are good enough. The way they've been playing all season, I think they'll get a goal. I still think Atlanta can win that game. I think he'll tie it, but I don't think he'll break it. Okay, yeah. Um, I think he comes up just short as well. I think uh, I think going on the forum that we have been recently, I mean, it's just uh, we might be, you know, shipping a goal or two uh, and maybe winning, uh, but it's still one of those, like, I don't know if we're uh, really, really solid at the back yeah. at the moment, and so I'm not so sure about that. But um, I kind of expected a clean sheet against Columbus, and had that yeah. happened, then yeah, you'd be looking at it, so that's possible, mm -hmm. but when you ship three to Columbus, you're exactly. kind of like, yeah. maybe not. <laughs> but uh, so that does it for buy or sell and gets us to the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG stories, in some cases on Facebook as well. Please continue to do so, and we'll answer your maybe answer your question in the future. First question comes from Justin S. Colin, or Cologne, rather. Uh, do you guys think that this recent loss, similar to last year's, will be the catalyst AU need to shape up? I think it certainly could be, because I think a lot of fans are really frustrated, and I think what's interesting is that I think a lot of fans are not necessarily frustrated with the manager this time, because I think, again, I said it earlier, I think a lot of this kind of goes on the players for not having the right mental level. And yeah, that comes to the manager as well, to have them there. To get them up for it, yeah. But at the same time, with how the way the team has been playing, the freedom they've now been given, the autonomy that they wanted on the pitch, they asked for it and they got it. So there's a there's a necessary, they have to they have to be able to back that up. So I think, yes, it can be. It absolutely should be because that loss was inexcusable. And it sounded like there was accountability both from Frank Nabor mm -hmm. and from Julian Gressel and from some of the players afterwards. And we know that losing pisses Joseph Martinez off anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's definitely going to be a fire in this team to make sure they rectify it. It should be. Mm -hmm. Will it be? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and I think it's also a momentum thing where, uh, you know, that it was a pretty tough loss in Philadelphia. Uh, where you know you, they felt like they were you know maybe had a grasp on the game and they just kind of fell out of their hands. Uh, Columbus Crew also as well, you know a uh, comeback uh, that kind of really leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And so if you can get that uh, result on Wednesday against FC Cincy, then maybe you can get the ball rolling in the right direction again. And so uh, I mean this season we haven't kind of done that thing where we don't lose two in a row. Uh, I mean it's kind of that was kind of a kind of anomaly type of stat anyway, I yeah. think. But still, uh, maybe we can at least start that stat where we don't lose two in a row because uh, this is a very, very crucial point in our season right now. Uh, next question comes from Sheaves77. Are teams figuring out how to beat us or are we just not playing well right now? I think we're just not playing well right now. I think that, yes, teams can figure out. There's always a flaw in every system. Again, yeah. you know. Guardiola and City lost to Norwich of all teams this past weekend. Credit to Norwich. They did the same thing Columbus did. They played really well. They had a system that worked and they stuck to their guns. I think that Atlanta United, when they're playing at their best, it doesn't matter if other teams have a good game plan. Atlanta United is just simply better than them. And Atlanta United has the players to make the difference. And I think that as far as that goes, Atlanta United should beat almost every single team, if not every team that they face up. But right now, I think that you're just not playing well. You're not seeing the best out of your players. Some are tired. Some have been played a lot. Some are still hurt. You don't have your best 11 out there. And when factors like that come together, you can get caught. I think that's what happened in Atlanta. And I think right now, just aren't playing well. Yeah. Um, I also, I mean, I agree with uh, most of your points. I also think, though, the best teams uh, are able to adjust to any sort of uh, defense that you know they are seeing on any given night. And so that's where that tactical flexibility 
if they are able to do do that play different ways and recognize what's in front of them and you know adjust and change uh, you know kind of you know parsing out if uh, you know oh uh, the ball in behind is uh, is on all night you know this is what we need to do to rectify that and then so we can still be solid so we can go forward uh, with kind of reckless abandon if we need to um, yeah I mean so that that's where I think uh, there is a little bit of we do need to uh, be a little bit flexible with uh, how we're playing as well not only play with 352 but if we do need to shift into uh, different ways to play then you know we should so I think a lot of it comes to philosophy though in the modern yeah. game and I hate that word obviously but like it's, it's true the playing philosophy and the way that you want to approach things I mean Pep Guardiola notoriously does not change he's going to have his way of playing and he believes that his way of playing with the players he has is better than whatever you do now you know how to beat Pep you either press them or you sit deep and it's shown recently that if you press him and press his teams, then you can get something out of it. It's very similar with Atlanta United. When teams press Atlanta United, usually we don't play as well. But that's also the risk that if you do that, you leave yourself exposed to having mm -hmm. the better team, Atlanta United, take advantage of those spaces. And so I think on a given night, Atlanta United can set up the way that they want in this 3-5-2 and then beat most teams. But again, that's the nature of soccer. That's the nature of the game. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're just going to have games like Columbus. Mm -hmm. Uh, next question comes from Nick B Studios. Do you think we need to invest in a quality young striker as a backup for if Joseph gets injured? With the way that current MLS rules are set up, no. Um, I think that you have other places you need to worry about strengthening. And yes, obviously that is a big issue, but with how the salary cap and salary structures work, it's no use having a good young player if they never play. And Atlanta United 2 and loaning players out doesn't really work as well as it does in Europe. So it wouldn't be wise, in my opinion, to invest a lot of money in a good young player if they're not getting minutes. Now, if you're looking to play a two-striker system, then yes. But right now, Joseph Martinez is going to be on the field and you don't want to sub him. So it kind of would hurt the development of whoever that young player was because they wouldn't be playing as much. Yeah, I mean, and also we have, you know, the likes of Brandon Vasquez, uh, Tito Vishalba, also as those type of guys that can fill in for Joseph Martinez uh, if he is ever injured. But, uh, and he has been in the past, and, you know, Tito Vishalba has been that guy who's stepped in. Now, uh, of course, going forward, we don't know how long Tito Vishalba is going to be uh, on the team as well because, yeah, he's not getting a lot of minutes. And, you know, there might be a writing on the wall, who knows? We all want Tito to stay, but it's one of those things. And so Brandon Vasquez, I think he's only 20. Uh, he's a young guy. He's got a different uh, kind of game than Joseph Martinez as well. So yeah, he's a guy that is a good understudy that isn't, you know, a guy who's agitating for minutes and is unsettling the team because of it or anything like that. So I think you know we have incumbent guys that can do the job uh, in the seed and hopefully where he's not injured for a long period of time. Uh, next question comes from Mitchell McGirt on Facebook. Should FDB have put Parkey on that back line in the last match in order to ensure better organization defensively? It looked like the young guys really bungled things on covering counterattacks, and Columbus really exploited that. Given LGP's penchant for collecting yellow cards and missing matches, shouldn't Parkey be the ready option down the stretch? No, because the way that Atlanta plays right now would be horrible for Michael Parkhurst. If he had been playing in that back line, Columbus may have scored more. And that's no disrespect to them, but as slow as, uh, almost called on Paul, but as slow as Florentine Pogba is, he's still much quicker than Michael Parkhurst. Michael Parkhurst being isolated and having to defend, to defend in space is not what he's good at. 
That is really unfair to the captain. And I think a lot of people, if you saw him play in this system and saw the positions he was being put in and what would happen, people would be very critical of him. And that's not fair of him because he's a great player for the team and for the club. But in the system Atlanta that are playing right now, Michael Parkhurst is not the answer. Yeah, and it's also where uh, I think he played his best in a four-man back line and then where uh, Jeff Lerner was sat in the middle. So they kind of created that, um, you know, kind of a three-man, uh, at least in uh, possession and that type of thing. And so there is that where in a three-man back line in a 3-5-2, the right center back and the left center back, they do have to go to the wings a lot more to defend. And that's just where... Parky does lack in that pace to be able to really uh, be as effective as possible. And plus, yes, Parky is getting up there in age. He's lost maybe a step or two since last year, it seems. And it's also, I think, a matter of fitness now, too. Like, he's not played so many matches now in a row. He's kind of only a guy that can maybe come in in a pinch. But if you're asking him to start an entire match and then chase down guys... That, you know, if he was playing in the Columbus Crew match, uh, oh my god. Like, the ball at the top was on the entire time. He would have been gassed. So, I don't know. I don't know if uh, that's exactly the best uh, option there. But, I think in a pinch, yes, of course you play him. But, I think as a um, out-and-out starter in this type of system, if LGP is out, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But, uh, last question comes from Hype Monster. How does guest, in this sense, Tanner... Feel about the new FIFA ratings? They're crap for one reason and one reason only. How the hell does Joseph Martinez have under 80 shooting? He scored 35 goals in all of last season. And Carlos Vela, who's doing great this season, but did not score nearly as many goals as Joseph did last season, or continuing to score this season, has a better finishing than him. He has like 82, 83, 84 finishing or shooting, and Joseph has like 78, 79. It's kind of the same thing with like Jaden Sancho has like 78 passing, despite the fact that he had the most assists in the Bundesliga last yeah. season or something. And he's like, mm -hmm. yo guys, what's going on? And it's, mm -hmm. Clearly whoever's doing the ratings for EA is not paying attention because Joseph Martinez should, bar Zlatan, have the best shooting rating in all of MLS. But Zlatan is Zlatan and he's coming down from being a 90. So it's like, you know, he's gonna have better ratings because it's Zlatan and well. Yeah, I think he was what? He was an 88, I think last he's season. He's an 85 like, uh, this season, this, but his shooting still really course, high and he scored a hat trick again against sure of course but whatever. it's just one of those things where um i mean joseph martinez does score every which way as well and so does a lot of time okay yes 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 but uh also i mean i have a bone to pick with the physicality that yep. is on his card as well i mean it's like the jumping is ridiculous like you have to be able to i'm pretty sure he has a, a really high, high jumping rate like rating in this game <laughs> but it's not like as high as it should be but clearly he's he should he should be like an 83-84. Maybe yeah. I'm biased, but I think he should be like, overall, he should be like an 83-84. Which yeah. is high for MLS, I get it, but he's that good. Yeah, and we will go through everybody's, uh, you know, FIFA rating, but I think, and that might be an, uh, you know, a video coming up when it releases, so let us know if you want us to uh, do a video on that. But uh, PT Martinez uh, is at a 78. I think that's probably fair for the level that he was coming from as well. Um, but, I mean, in terms of P.T. Martinez, there are a lot of people that argue that, oh, it's, you know, uh, in terms of that, it's way too high or something like that. And I would say it's I, too low. I disagree. I mean, I think it's exactly probably the level of uh, where he is at because it's one of those things where he was getting some uh, look looks from Europe as well. And, you know, he's not, you know, if he is getting some looks from Europe, it's not because uh, and at age 26, it's not because he was a mid-70s player or something. 
I think it's uh, I think it's fair. I think it's uh, absolutely fair. But uh, anyway, so that does it for the mailbag. Thank you guys for sending in those questions. We really appreciate it. And that gets us to the match preview. It's FC Cincinnati. It's on Wednesday. It's on, at Nippert Stadium at 7.30. And uh, yeah, I mean, in their past six, yeah, they've taken a lot of L's. Four L's. L's. They got one win from their last six. Yeah. Uh, and so it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's uh, they're a team that's are languishing in 12th. They're a team that's on pace to break Orlando City's record for the worst defense in MLS history. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, of course, earlier in the season, we played them to a 1-1 draw, a frustrating one at that, because uh, I think I remember uh, Devin kind oh, of yeah. really... That was that his game? Yeah, that was where he predicted pretty much that uh, this was the worst team in the league and that... You know, us getting a draw was shambolic. Well, he was right. They were, they are the worst team in the league. And yeah, it turned out to be. Of course, they went on a little bit of a run after that, and so it maybe seemed like, oh, okay, maybe it wasn't as bad as it seemed. But no, yes, it is. Uh, it is what it is because yes, uh, they really invested in a lot of USL players and their defense. And did not work out. Yeah. Bold strategy, Cotton. Exactly. And it did not play out. For in, a, in a league where you know attack really plays really well, in that sense, where if you invest in it, you can probably do some things in the league. They put DP money into Fernando Addy, and he's got one goal, I think. Yeah, it's, it's uh, just not perplexing stuff. Darren Maddox, those type of guys, it's just like yeah, you know, not not guys that you would traditionally try to build your attack on. Uh, picking up the scraps essentially from other teams, but uh, it is what it is. And so you know, in terms of the this team and how they play. They are quite strong at aerial duels. Big surprise, you have a Kendall Waston on your team. Yeah, I mean, he alone probably takes up a lot of that where, yeah, he's going to win a lot of headers. But, uh, yeah, in terms of weaknesses, it's there's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, you know, there's avoiding offside, keeping possession of the ball, avoiding individual errors, defending set pieces, defending against long shots, defending against half or through ball attacks, defending against skillful players, Finishing scoring chances, defending counterattacks. This is ripe so for the taking. Basically everything Atlanta United is good at. Yeah, and so uh, their style, they like to play long balls. Big surprise, you have a Watson on the team. Uh, they attempt through balls often. Uh, they play with width. They attack down the left, and they're not too aggressive. And they rotate their first 11 a lot. Mostly because everyone on yeah. their team is just not very good. Yeah, and, uh, and it's also, they have some guys that are injured, a.k.a. like a Greg Garza, who's only played 10 matches this season. That's why we didn't pay him all that money. Yeah, and uh, and so it's one of those things where, you know, they set up for us to really come in and really kind of boss them around if we uh, can do it. But, uh, and you know, in terms of their players to watch, uh, they have attacking midfielder Emmanuel Ledesma, who's on six goals and three assists. Uh, midfielder Alan Cruz has six goals, no assists. And forward Darren Maddox, as uh, mentioned earlier, has three goals and three assists. So it's not a really potent uh, attacking line, and this is where it could be uh, another trap game where it's just yeah, let's. This game not would be it. inexcusable in every which way to not pick up all three points and to not put a lopsided number on the scoreboard. As far as I'm concerned, if the players were frustrated and annoyed with themselves after the result this past weekend, they need to take it out on Cincinnati because Cincinnati is not good. 
They're just not. I mean, his, again, historically, they are going to be the worst defense in MLS history. And depending on what Atlanta United does, that could happen as soon as this match on Wednesday. So they're bad at everything Atlanta is good at. Obviously, you prefer to have Ezekiel Barco fit for this match, but I don't think he will be. He seems he a lot questionable. So if anything, he may make the bench in the 18, but that's probably not likely. So you're going to have to have players to step up. I think Jeff Lorenos is going to come in at this game, even though, again, you want to be aggressive. I think that you have to have a bit of stability there so you can have runners in front of him, but he will basically be the guy that stops any counterattacking opportunities that Cincinnati have. But Joseph Martinez should find this an easy game to feast on. If you, if you get your movements right and you get the passing crisp again, this should be a game that Atlanta United again takes all three points and does it walking away. Yeah, so uh, in terms of uh, yeah our injuries, it was Barco and of course Breck Shea. Uh, in terms of injuries for them, they have quite a few guys out. And so midfielder Jimmy McLaughlin uh, had right ACL surgery. Fernando Adi uh, is also out with a cap injury. Uh, goal goalkeeper Spencer Rishi uh, has a back injury. He's questionable. Uh, also questionable is Victor Ijoa uh, with a groin groin injury. Those are always the worst. Uh, and then defender Mikel van der Berf uh, with a hamstring One injury game. as well. I know, yeah, uh, those are the uh, those kind of uh, kind of Scandinavian Dutch names that are something in there. Difficult to say Either at way, times. Either difficult, difficult <laughs> to say. I think there's some interesting stats that kind of go into why I think that Atlanta should absolutely house this team. They've lost their last six home games in a row. They've conceded at least two goals in their last nine home games, and they've been over at least two and a half goals scored in six of their last seven home games. They ship goals at home. Atlanta United, this match is just perfectly set up for them, and I think that it's important in this game to see kind of what Atlanta United did in August come out and press the hell out of this team. Mm -hmm. Come out and force them into mistakes because they will make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Get all up in them, be tight at the back, mm -hmm. have Jeff, have a Jeff Lerunet sitting there to snuff out any long balls forward because that's what they do. Mm -hmm. And just get up in them and get goals and get them soon because yeah. this team, if you kick in the door, the house will fall down. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a game, again, Atlanta needs to put a foot down, needs to put a marker down and say, okay, we're gonna go and win these next five games. And if the game this past weekend was the game to wake you up, this game needs to be the game where you take out your frustrations. Yeah. But the worry is, do they sit completely and they just stifle us and where we just have to break down a really, really, uh, you know, low, low block. And so, I mean, it's one of those things where uh, they maybe see, you know, the kind of level that uh, they don't want to be embarrassed. You know, that, you know, it's one of those things where, like, how are they going to come into this game? They're at home. Do they attack a little bit? I mean, they don't want to be embarrassed at home also as well. Again, the emphasis, even if they do sit low and, and sit deep, yes, Atlanta had a drew against them early in the season and they struggled to break them down. But again, this team is so poor defensively. The organization is not there. They are not a team that is good enough to sit and absorb pressure. Against a team with the quality that Atlanta United has in attack, there is absolutely no excuse whatsoever to not score goals against this team, to score at least two goals against this team, because they shouldn't be scoring that many against Atlanta United as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. And if you score those goals and either and force them to come out, they're not good enough to be able to play open against you either. That result, as far as I'm concerned, earlier in the season was a fluke. Yes, Cincinnati earned it, but Atlanta had loads of possession and did nothing with it. That is not possible in this game, and anything less than a victory is absolutely inexcusable as far as I'm concerned. Respect to Cincinnati, but at the same time, you have to be realistic mm -hmm. here. 
where Cincinnati are and where Atlanta United are mm -hmm. are two complete opposite ends of the spectrum. We should be able to break them down, yes. So, uh, so who will uh, aid in hopefully breaking them down? Well, let's get into that predicted 11 and through the lines, of course, Guzan is going to start. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, our starting back line is uh, kind of given when everybody's healthy or uh, is not suspended, Escobar, you have Robinson and LGP mm -hmm. from right to left. Uh, now getting the wingbacks, would you rotate anybody or? Um, I'm. I, you have to win this game. I didn't think Miriam came off early. He didn't play mm -hmm. well. You don't really have anyone to play for Gressel unless you shift Escobar out mm -hmm. to wingback. So I think Gressel is the guy that you start there. Although ideally, this is a game that if you play well, he's a player you can take off later in the game. I think that has to be something that you can do. So I do have Gressel and Miriam both playing, although Pereira did play well when he came on. So it wouldn't shock me if he did start in Miriam's place, mm -hmm. because again, you do have a game at the weekend. Mm -hmm. But I think the, really the question is, who are the two guys that you start in the middle? Mm -hmm. And for me, I have Nagby and Lorenowitz because I think you have to have Lorenovic sitting there and you have to have that person that can dictate your tempo, can be smart and to clean up any mm -hmm. areas that you would have problems in. And again, I don't think Cincinnati or anything special in attack, so maybe he goes aggressive, but I think after this game, you have to have that that mm -hmm. balance in the team with Jeff Lorenovic. Yeah, I can see that because it's a kind of uh, game that you can rotate a guy, it's midweek. Yeah, uh, I get that. I think for me, you kind of have to go for the throw and you go with the most attacking midfield here because they're really they're really not gonna have a ton of ideas to break us down. The ball at the top, I think Miles Robinson uh, has shown that he can handle it and their attackers are far less worrisome uh, than a Columbus crew. So it's one of those where, uh, yeah, I think Rometty and Nagby sit, uh, not sit, but they're in uh, central midfield. And uh, for me, I we, we're playing with the number 10 and that's VT Martinez. For, for me, I have Emerson Hyman playing again because I think Knowing that you're playing Pity Martinez at that 10, I can assume that means that you'd like to see Tito Vijalba starting up top. That's correct. But yeah. for me, I don't see how this is a game that fits Tito Vijalba. Because mm -hmm. if a team is sure. sitting as deep as Cincinnati is expected mm -hmm. to be sitting, Tito's best when he's running at players, running into mm -hmm. space and using his speed. And if they're sitting deep and he doesn't have space or speed to run into, mm -hmm. he does have the best long shot on the team, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how many opportunities he would get for that. And I think there's better players suited to breaking down a team with passing. And I think for me, that's mm -hmm. Emerson Hyman again, which then has Pity and Joseph up top for me. Yeah. No, and, and I, I get, uh, you know, the combination play is going to really probably unlock this defense as well. Uh, but there's also ways that I think, you know, if FC Cincinnati are looking to at least not get embarrassed, they're coming up for corners. There's those points where we can, you know, kind of lump it long a little bit and Tio Vijalbo can uh, get on the end of those. And that's where uh, you can bring in uh, Tito Vijalbo to do some damage. And also, I mean, he's got a decent cross on him as well. And so if he can get into some some space where he can, uh, you know, kind of uh, find Joseph Martinez or anybody in the box, then I think it's uh, uh, still a, uh, a useful kind of game for him to kind of get some more match fitness. Because I think that's where we really need Tio Vishalba to really get back into, uh, you know, not only on the score sheet, but having another guy to get on uh, the board for us. Because it's one of those things where, um, you know, it really is Jose Martinez. Uh, or he's, bust. Yeah, or bust. It's really, um, Julian Gressel is the next highest uh, goal scorer for Atlanta United at four, and Barco is at four. 
for what's been like forever because of you know injuries slash international well, breaks. He hasn't scored and, since that game against Sporting KC. Yeah, and so it's way been a, back in May. You know, and so it's one of those things where yes, we definitely need to get some other guys going, and I feel like this is that type of match where uh, yeah, you want to see Tito uh, do some damage. So. Uh, that gets us to our score prediction. What do you got? Four 0 Atlanta United. I think we're actually going to mm. smash this team. I feel really good about it. This is they're just not a good team, and Atlanta United needs to go out and get some revenge from this past weekend. Nothing better than beating on the worst defensive team in MLS history, and I think they're going to go out and do that. Okay, um, I would love that scoreline. Obviously, uh, that's uh, that also does the goal difference some uh, some good as well. But I think it is a two nil win for us. Uh, I think they do probably sit back a little bit more than I want them to, and thus there aren't as many chances uh, slash clear cut chances. There's probably a ton of people in the box probably in this match, and it's just going to be kind of a slog for a minute until we can you know break through. They might try to get an equalizer. We go uh, and get another, and then we pretty much, that's the game. So, uh, yeah, that does it for the match preview and gets us to our question of the day. And the question of the day is this. Will you be satisfied with Atlanta United season if they go out in the conference final or sooner in the playoffs? Get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys have to say. And shout out to Mark for that question. That's a great question. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to what you guys are having to say. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.